Amen to that. Well, greetings, New Hope Church. It's great to see all of you here on this Thanksgiving weekend. If you are joining us as part of our online community from wherever you find yourself, welcome to New Hope Church right here in the Minneapolis area. My name is Matthew, and I'm one of the pastors here. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to just greet whoever's right around you and greet them in the name of Jesus. Let's do that right now. Just like one great big Thanksgiving gathering. Hey, and speaking of which, we had a fabulous time Wednesday evening at our Thanksgiving Eve gathering. A wonderful celebration, about an hour and a half of testimonies and uh, giving witness to the ways that God has been so faithful to many folks within our church family and beyond a time of worship and uh, just a time of uh, fellowship together. What a wonderful night. I trust that this past week has been really fun for you, really meaningful for you, as you've been with friends, as you've been with family. Uh, and if by chance your rhythms this year are very different than what you might wish, I also trust that you found Jesus just meeting you and, and showing his love to you in ways that are very powerful, very personal, and uh, very hopeful. Well, uh, listen, a couple things I want to say to you. Hey, next weekend, uh, we are stepping right into our big Christmas season, as, as uh, Pastor Ryan just mentioned here a moment ago on the video. And uh, I, I, I want to invite you to do something. Next week, and here is the announcement. I want to invite you next week. Anybody guess what I'm about to say? All right, Christ, Christmas sweaters. All right, Christmas sweaters next weekend. Now, I will tell you right now, uh, whatever that looks like for you, it can be as beautiful as you think it is or as uh, ugly as you want it to be. Uh, but hey, next weekend, Christmas sweaters or Christmas suits, whatever works for you by Christmas suits. I don't mean like the, the nice navy suit with a silk tie. I mean, you could do that. But what I'm talking about, you know, with uh, like Frosty the Snowman from head to toe or something, all right? All right, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, next weekend. And listen, weary world rejoices. Absolutely. And why does the weary world rejoice? Because Jesus the King has been born. And we're going to celebrate that here in uh, these days ahead. I can't wait to be part of that with you. Uh, listen, I, I also want to just remind you, uh, the women's ministry thing that Pastor Ryan mentioned, uh, coming up, the Connect Night coming up on Thursday, it's worth your time and energy. I urge you to join it, be part of that, ladies. And then uh, this Tuesday night, this Tuesday night, our Legacy Grandparents Ministry is kicking off again, and uh, we're so thankful for that. It'll be right here in Sandburg Chapel. You can go to our website and get more details about that. If uh, you are one of those who uh, have grandkids and you want to pray and pray and pray more deeply still, uh, that's a great place to learn how to do that and to be encouraged in this incredible ministry of blessing our grandchildren. Okay, uh, I'm going to pray, speaking of which. And we're going to carry on right here uh, together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much that we can come together in the name of Jesus, our great Savior and King. We love him, and we know he loves us, and we give you all praise that in his love he died on a cross, rose from the dead, and now intercedes for us in the heavenly places 
before you, O oh God. Oh, we thank you for this Jesus. We thank you for him. We long for him. We love him. And we thank you that he cares for us so deeply. Right now, we ask that by your Spirit's power, you would meet us in a very special and a very personal way here today. On this uh, Sunday, right after Thanksgiving, meet us in a very personal way. Show us your love and inspire us to trust you still more. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, our great King, and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. So, uh, this past year, actually really for the past six months or so, Psalm 145 uh, is something that has greeted me most mornings. I've spent a lot of time just meditating on this psalm, digging into it. And uh, Psalm 145 is a beautiful hymn to the Most High God. Penned by King David, it is the last of the psalms attributed to him. Of all the ones he wrote, this is the last one that is attributed directly to him. Psalm 145 celebrates God's care over his people. Celebrates God's care over his people. Now, like a number of passages in the Old Testament, Psalm 145 is designed around what's called an acrostic structure. This is a literary device, a literary formula. It's very simple, and it's really meaningful, particularly when one becomes familiar with it across the Scriptures. Meaningful because of the way it teaches, it instructs, and helps us to remember. An acrostic structure means this. Every verse of the psalm begins with a descending letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, if we have our English language mindset uh, front and center, we would think of it this way. Verse 1 starts with the letter A. Verse 2 starts with the letter B. Verse 3 starts with the letter C, and so forth, until you get all the way to the end of the alphabet, in our case, as English speakers, the letter Z. So we would imagine 26 verses. It's a little different in the Hebrew, but you get the idea. Each verse starts with a descending letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that's, again, not an uncommon feature, particularly in the Psalms, in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, when one is reading Psalm 145, one of the letters is missing. One of the letters isn't there. It's the Hebrew letter nun, N-U-N. You might look at it and pronounce it nun. That would be a bad habit. It's not none, it's noon. <laughs> uh, some of you got that. My wife hates my dad jokes. <laughs> some of you do too, all right. Uh, so it, it's the letter noon, it, it's in the English world we'd refer to it as an N. 
And it is as if King David, when he's writing Psalm 145, it is as if he's riding along and, and, and he's, he's putting pen to parchment, he's going along and he jumps from M to O and totally forgets the N, the noon. That's what it looks like. And, and so therefore, it would appear that maybe, maybe a verse is missing or a line of scripture is just absent. Now for centuries, scholars have scratched their beards over this, trying to figure out where did the end go? Where went the noon? It's been a perplexity for generations until one day in 1946 with the discovery of what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You see, a Bedouin shepherd boy stumbled into a forgotten cave on the sun-baked hills just west of the Dead Sea. Inside of this cave were all of these clay jars. And within these clay jars were countless ancient scrolls, biblical scrolls, copies of what you and I call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, some of which dated back 300 years before Jesus walked the dusty trails of Judea and Galilee. These are ancient. And they were collected and they are still being analyzed. But it didn't take long after the discovery of scrolls of the Psalms ancient scrolls of the Psalms for the missing noon to be found. Scholars found that line, that verse, that letter. Now, in Psalm 145, if you'll look here with me, at verses 13 and 14. You'll see it on the screen right here. Here we go. It says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Now verse 13 corresponds in our way of thinking to the letter M verse 14 to the letter O. But now let's see what has been found. Let's look at the next slide here. Here we go, you see in brackets? This is what was discovered in the Psalms within the Dead Sea, the earliest versions that we have of the Psalms. Right there in the middle, let's say those bracketed words together. Can we repeat those together? Here we go. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. That right there is the letter N. That's the missing noon. 
And I want you to know, when you look in those words right there, the very words that had been missing testify to the very faithfulness of God as he preserves his word. It is the Lord is faithful in all his words. And so here it is, for nearly 2,000 years, this has been missing. But guess what? The Lord is faithful in all his words. And what seemed missing was never missing to him. And in his faithfulness, he reintroduced it, as it were, to his people. What an incredible gift that this is. What an incredible truth that this displays. God is faithful. Do you believe God is faithful? Do you believe he's faithful? I want to ask you a question this way. Look, look here with me. I want you to notice this. Is your story, is your life, is it like this psalm? Now I want you to really think through this with me. A seemingly well-organized story with one glaringly missing peace. Confidence in the Lord's faithfulness. Are you really confident that the Lord is faithful to himself, to his purposes, to his wisdom, to you? Like that psalm, well organized, everything, everything in order, but maybe there's a gap. Something's missing. And that thing that's missing is your own confidence in his faithfulness. I will tell you that I, I struggle at times to be confident in his faithfulness. I can think of all kinds of ways that I personally, that I personally doubt and struggle. Here are just a few. I think for a minute, uh, for a moment of global unrest. I look at what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, uh, between Hamas in Israel. I look at what's going on in Sudan where, where I've been and, and done ministry and I see the turmoil that is there today. I think about the turmoil in places like Yemen and I think about the brutal rulers in places like Iran or the saber rattling from within China. I step back and I look at all of this and I ask myself, and really if I'm bold enough, I'll ask God, God, are you paying attention? The nations are raging, are you watching? Because right now, it looks like there's a lot of chaos and a lot of darkness. And you know what it makes me feel? Fear. I bet I'm not the only one who's wondered if World War III is around the corner. There are times when I get scared. And I'm not real confident in the Lord's faithfulness. I wonder if he's paying attention. 
Well, another area where I can doubt his faithfulness is with regard to pervasive injustice. I listen to friends or family, and like you, I keep up with the news. I pay attention to what's going on in the public square and in private spaces. And I realize that unjust things continue to happen to people from all walks of life. Unjust things continue to happen to ethnic minorities. Unjust things continue to happen to uh, those who have different sexual perspectives and preferences. Unjust things continue to happen to those with differing economic profiles than mine. Unjust things continue to happen to those regardless of their religious persuasions. Right now, one of the things dominating the news is anti-Semitism. And let us be really clear because we might think, well, that is simply against Jews, and there is anti-Jewishness, which is an atrocity. But understand, friends, our Arab friends are also Semites. And so Islamophobia is also an anti-Semitic injustice. Both of these are rooted in cultural, ethnic, and religious hatred. And that's just those two. We could talk for quite a while, and maybe you did at Thanksgiving dinner. If you were brave enough to even venture into anything related to politics or culture or injustice. But I look at all of these things and more, and I think to myself, God, do you hear the cries of those who are hurting? Do you see those who are being treated thusly? Here's another one for me. Another area where I tend to lack confidence too much in God. It relates to church hurt. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but I want you to ask yourself, are you one who carries a wound from church because of church? Maybe because of, of toxic leadership. Or perhaps the weaponization of theology. Or maybe the manipulation of rules. Or perhaps spiritual gaslighting. Where you're constantly made to feel and think that God has abandoned you. Because you're just simply not cutting the, the expectations of the spiritual elite at whichever church you've been a part of. And I see these things from my particular spot as a pastor, and I'm overwhelmed. And let me just say to you, if you are one who has experienced church wounding in some way, hear from this pastor, I am so 
I am so, so sorry. What I do is I watch generations of people leave, not because they want to be hedonistic or selfish in their way of living, but more often than not because they're just hurting. And I wonder, Lord, do you see this? Are you aware? Another area for me is my own pattern of sin. I know I am redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I am washed clean by his blood. I am made new. He died on the cross for me. He rose from the dead. And because this is true, my sins have been nailed to that cross and I have new life. And if you are in Christ, the same is true of you. Praise God. Praise God. Great is his faithfulness as we sang just a moment ago. And yet, I sin. And yet, I still raise my fist at this triumphant Savior as if what he did had no appeal to me. I raise my fist because that old sin nature is alive and strong. And I get really discouraged by this, deeply so at times, particularly as it relates to those besetting kinds of sins, the patterns that, that have just lingered all of my life. And at some point you go, really? Yet again. And then I think to myself, Lord, have you given up on me? I wouldn't blame you if you just walked away. Now, right now is an excellent moment for you and for me to probe very deeply within us, within you. And I need to do the same. To ask a really personal, hard question. Am I confident in God's faithfulness or am I doubting that he cares? I shared with you just a few of the things I think about and wonder about. And maybe these are things that are on your mind. Maybe you have a whole other list. And if we had time, it would be meaningful to sit and process those things together. But regardless of your list or mine, the question remains. Do you have confidence in the Lord's faithfulness? Or do you doubt he cares? Now I want you to search your soul right now. Wherever you sit, maybe you're far away, up with family in another state, 
maybe I know some of you are watching from across the oceans. And it's good to be with you, by the way. Ask yourself, search your soul. Are you more doubting than trusting? More resistant than restful? More anxious than amazed by Him? Ask yourself these questions. Wrestle with this. And then hear what I'm about to say to you. Consider this poignant direction for you from your pastor who loves you so much. And understand, I'm directing myself with this as well. I've got a mirror right in front of me. Lest I wonder, God, can I really be confident in you? Lest I wonder if it is possible at all. Listen to me. Here's the direction for us. Celebrate God's faithfulness on display in Psalm 145. It's a simple thing, but it is a tangible thing. It is a seemingly timeless thing. For over 2,000 years, there had been a gap in this sacred story. And then one day, that gap was closed. One day, the missing noon was found. One day, the case was wrapped up. The alphabet completed. The story, well-rounded and sewn tightly. The missing line was found. That which was lost but has now been found screamed, the Lord is faithful. The very word that had been missing for so long itself said, the Lord is faithful with his word. And because in such a tangible and simple place, we get this front row seat to a God who always comes through with his purposes, who always comes through in integrity, then you and I can step back and go, wow, well, he sure proved he's faithful here, right? We want a miracle? Here it is. After 2,000 years, he's showing up on the scene yet again. Oh, you wondered if I was absent? You wondered if I checked out? You wondered if I dropped a line somewhere and forgotten it in the dust of the Middle East? In some cave? No. Oh, you wonder all you want, but I'm faithful to my word. That's what God says. And you know what that does for me? It encourages me. Because then when I think about the global unrest, I see that faithfulness expressed, and I remember to myself, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, will come in triumphant glory and turn all of the swords into plows. 
And I look at that faithfulness, that moment of faithfulness, that special place there within that text. I see that God is faithful to his word and kind in all of his works. And I say to myself, for all of the injustices, according to the scriptures, this Jesus Christ, because of him and through him, there will be no more mourning and no more tears. And then I think about that faithfulness displayed so beautifully in that text, that moment of, oh my goodness, the Lord closed the gap, the alphabet is complete. He came through, and at that moment, I'm reminded that despite the frailties of the church, we are a glorious bride, and we will be clothed in righteousness, and we will march and ride with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then I look I think about, I think about that moment of faithfulness right there in the text, that front row seat to God coming full circle. And I say to myself, oh, my sin is so great. Wretch that I am, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My sin and my shame, and yours as well, will no longer have the final word, no matter how loudly it might roar. Because, as Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I know so many of you, and I'm so thankful I do. And I know many of us largely have our lives fairly well ordered. We have messy in the midst of them, sometimes right in the middle, sometimes on the fringes. But generally speaking, generally speaking, for many of us, our lives are quite well ordered. We want to honor Jesus. That's why you're here, so many of you. Because you love him. But here's a question and I want you to see here. What if a lack of confidence in the Lord's faithfulness, despite how well-ordered things are for you, what if a lack of confidence in the Lord's faithfulness is keeping you from experiencing God's best? Now, let's leave that up there for a moment. I want you to really wrestle with this. Is your story just like that psalm? Well-ordered, structured, Everything in a good flow. Oh, there's this missing piece. Is that missing piece confidence in God's faithfulness? What if your lack of confidence in the Lord's faithfulness is keeping you from experiencing God's best? Well, I close with this challenge to you and to me. Here we go. Jesus sees you. He welcomes you. Isn't that great? He's got you. Indeed, 
He's got it all. He's got it all. He is always faithful to his purposes and his people, including you. He never fails. After all, as the once missing line tells us, the Lord is faithful, the Lord is kind. And friends, would you stand with me now? And as you do, hear this word. That means, come what may, no matter what, you and I can trust Him. Amen.